Hello everyone and welcome to the inaugural podcast of Movie Dicks. I'm Gabriel Chavez. And I'm Paul Schendel. Give you guys some background. I am a filmmaker and movie worker. I work as a grip here in the New York film industry. And I have known Paul since I was 14 years old, the majority of my life. Yeah. Yep. We went to college together for a while. We were roommates together. Yeah. We watched a lot of movies together. <laughs> yeah. Way too many, probably. I have a I have a master's degree in film, and Paul has a background in electrical engineering. And yeah. what do you work as right now? What's your official position? As a research engineer in a biotech company in Seattle. Nice. Remain well, unnamed. Best. <laughs> well, I am. Of course, if you just look up my name on LinkedIn, there it is right there. So <laughs> I live in New York City, so we're doing this across the country. But uh, this is something that not only is for the coronavirus, which is currently going on right now, but also because we live across the country from each other and we can do this in person. Yeah. Anyway, for the, uh, for the inaugural podcast, we wanted to talk about the latest Star Wars movie, Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you... So. Would you describe it as a dumpster fire or <laughs> a hot mess or what did you uh, did you like it? I mean, I don't even know how to, how to begin with it. I I did not I did not like this movie in any way, shape, or form. But uh, I was predisposed not to like it because I I hate J.J. Abrams with a passion, as you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you do. I think you're you're too hard on him. To be clear, like I've hated him since Mission Impossible 3 was the first thing that I ever saw him do. And then, you know, I went back and I watched a little bit of Fringe and, you know, I went back and watched all of his movies as they came out. We went to go see Super 8 in theaters. I don't, I don't think we went to go see Star Trek in theaters. I don't think so. I don't remember. I remember watching it myself, and I remember watching it myself yeah. too. But well, that... we had a big discussion about lens flares in that movie. <laughs> uh, but I've, I've I've hated him for years, and I know that you like to play devil's advocate on him a lot. But I'm not actually sure on whether you enjoyed any of his movies, like legitimately. Well, I like J.J. Abrams for his energy that he gets in his movies. I mean, his scripts are dumb as hell most of the time, but he is good at conveying like energy and urgency and having people run and scream at each other and stuff. And there's plenty of explosions to go around. Are you saying that he's effective at building tension? Or are you saying that he's just effective at like structuring a scene? Uh, I wouldn't say scenes so much, but being able to keep me excited in the movie uh, for the most part, like... When I saw Force Awakens, I really liked it. And it may have just been because <laughs> it was somewhat new and not just a retread of more of the same Star Wars. Like, you didn't actually know what was going to happen. Wait, wait, Okay, so I, I got to stop you right there. My, <laughs> I, I, with Force Awakens, like, the first two acts are interesting and they're fun and they're compelling and everything like that. But as soon as they cut to the forest moon, <laughs> the third act... How did, did that pull you out as much as it pulled me out? Because that, I mean, that, was, that was the moment where I, 
other than when they killed Han Solo. Speaking of which, this is a spoiler alert. <laughs> right. episode. No one knows what happened at this point in the game. <laughs> so hopefully you've seen these movies. But when, when he killed Han Solo, it took me out of the movie because I think that it wasn't deserved. It was just like this hackneyed way of like Harrison Ford getting out of making further movies. He but- shouldn't be making movies anymore he's just a little too needs to be retired he needs to go out to pasture all right let's it's good they killed him off i liked how they did it it wasn't expected for me that they killed him so i was like oh they're gonna do something that i wasn't expecting because i was just expecting them to like follow the the old characters around forever. Okay, but I mean, going back to it, were you taken out as much as I was when they landed on the forest moon and it just turned into A New Hope all over again? Yeah, I mean, they needed some better ideas for that. I think it's a movie written by a committee and marketing people, (laughs) and they're like, well, people like this from the old Star Wars, so let's just do that. Because for me, it definitely suck all the air out of it any air that was there was completely gone by the third act because that was just it was unforgivable in my opinion unforgivable unforgivable strong (laughs) (laughs) unforgivable okay so like even though even though george lucas did the uh the prequel trilogy and they're god awful he was he was (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh you can say that he was trying to explore new storylines in the sense that like we hadn't seen young Anakin and you know and like yeah. his genesis of becoming Darth Vader. But with this movie with Force Awakens, it was literally pulling it directly from another movie and just tacking it on yeah, just at the end. New hope again. I mean Yeah. And that that was my big problem. I mean I, I still have a problem. Gabe, with why why do something new when you could do something safe? <laughs> I mean, you know, every everybody that talked to me about that movie that asked me how I felt, I kept telling them the same thing. It was like, it's just a remake of New Hope. And, and everybody was trying to stick up and defend that and say, well, he needed to do something safe after as awful as the prequels were, you know, like he needed to do something to bring people back in. And, and my response to that was, fuck him then, like he shouldn't have made the movie. So how much how much do you think that was J.J. Abrams versus Disney telling him what to do. To be honest, I don't know. Obviously, I can never know exactly how much was. I mean, I know that Disney's very protective of their material and they don't like when people shy away from it. You know, case in point, firing Christopher Miller and Phil Lord off of uh, Solo and hiring Ron oh, no. Howard in order to finish it. Yeah. I know, they're, I know they're very protective of that. Obviously, I can never know how much they really got involved with that. My, my purpose in this is saying that I'm not sure exactly how much that was, but I mean, it is credited to him. I mean, I'm pretty sure Kathleen Kennedy, who's the big producer for, you know, the Lucasfilm division right. was on set every day. I don't doubt that. Working at all. with JJ Abrams. That's what I heard. Feedback. With, uh, just that's what I heard with Solo too, is that that's the reason why things fell apart is that Kathleen Kennedy didn't like what she was seeing along with, I can't remember her producing partner on that, but uh, they didn't like what they were seeing, so they fired Phil Lord and Christopher Miller from Solo because of creative differences, quote unquote. My question is, how do you get, you know, 10 weeks into photography on a script that you approved and hate what you're seeing? Probably (laughs) didn't have enough running around and screaming. Like I said, I I just said how much I hated J.J. Abrams. (laughs) I haven't really gone into all the reasons, but did you enjoy Force Awakens? Force Awakens or... uh, Or I'm sorry, uh, Rise Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. 
Uh, when I went to see it in theaters, I paid my money knowing that I probably wasn't going to like it, but I had to do it because I've been a lifelong Star Wars fan and I just wanted some catharsis to end that relationship with. And Did you see it on opening weekend on Friday or did you? Uh, I don't remember when I saw it. It may have been like a week or two after the okay. fact, but you know. But I mean, you had already started to see reviews for it and audience reaction. I didn't. I didn't even bother with the reviews. I'm like, eh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna go see it. So I watched it again last night. I paid another twenty dollars to <laughs> the fuckers at Disney, so I could watch it again just for this uh, this discussion here. And I was laughing at all of the stupid shit that's in it. You know. Every time they write themselves into a hole, you know, there's Lando yeah. or whoever comes in and saves <laughs> my brother. Like, oh my God, how did he come out? My brother here? sort of uh, accurately surmised this movie by saying that, uh, or summarized this movie by saying that the it's a movie driven by miracles. Like they're literally miracled from one scene or one situation into the other. Oh yeah. And I don't think it's any more obvious than Lando's first appearance in that movie. So what I'm getting to is laughing at how dumb the movie is the whole time and by the end i had a smile on my face and i'm like oh yeah this is a good ending finally it's over and i don't know if that was because i liked it or i was just finally happy that the movie had stopped assaulting me with all of its nonsense uh but i'm like i can feel good now i can feel good that this is over I, I mean, I had a I had a really really big problem with the ending. <laughs> My most hated thing about this movie is the lack of real stakes. Like the moment that they show something that looks like it's going to be a huge moment that you know things are going to change and people are something tragic's happening. Like you know when they killed Chewie. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. <laughs> that scene works for me you know like it did it like it built it up properly when it happened like her reaction that's the best daisy ridley's ever been she's dry as toast but that's her moment her oscar moment <laughs> is that moment when she screams out chewy but like it it uh it works for me like it, it legitimately worked for me i was like i was actually worried and then for a second literally a second i thought and i was like no they didn't kill chewy there's no way like come on and lo and behold, yeah, a scene or two later, he's back. And I was just like, really? Really? It really is this transparent? So like, that's, that's my biggest problem with the movie. And then C-3PO, you know, like, he's, they talk about how they're going to erase his memory in order to, like, get that shit out of him for the Sith. And then, like, he does get erased. And then, again, two scenes later, oh, R2-D2 has a miraculous backup miracle. and, like, puts it back. So Miracle that shit, <laughs> It's not just a miracle. It's like they don't they they don't feel like they can take any risks with the characters or like with the stakes in this movie. So as a result, for me, you know, the entirety of the movie has no forward momentum because I don't know why I'm watching it. Like none of my characters are in in peril. There's no real problem happening in the movie. There's no real issue that Ray has to discover because we know, dude. No, they have to. They have to go get. The dagger, which some dude made for whatever reason, because it's Indiana Jones now, but it was only 20 years before, of course, or maybe less, what, 10 years? I don't yeah. know. How old Ray is supposed to be, but they made this stupid fucking dagger just because, and they need to go get another space cube so they can go to one place from another. 
I remember in the original Star Wars, like it took them time to get from one place to another. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, they have 16 hours to find the the planet. And they end up going to what, like 12 different planets <laughs> in that 16 hours. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, they kind of just ignore any rules set forth by the whole series before. I really, that. really hated that, uh, the whole dagger thing, because like when they, when they find it and they like pull the, the little side of it out and it lines up with the wreckage, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> what is, what is going on? So the script is terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. But I feel like everything else that went into it is pretty great. Hmm. I mean, the sound, sound for all Star Wars movies is probably Oscar-worthy for every one of yeah. them, honestly. Yeah, but I'd give it that. The actors, I mean, what's his name? The guy that plays Palpatine, Ian McDermott, he was, he was hamming it up pretty good. <laughs> but I was laughing with him as he's making his evil cackle. I'm the emperor, I'm evil. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i mean adam driver he's really good i thought he was great in this. Uh, adam driver's always good though like i i can't fault yeah. adam driver at all because like he's always good he always makes the best out of whatever god awful material he has in front of him and that's a real talent in order to like bring that to the screen but i mean the the first thing that i noticed about the movie that i texted my brother was i was asking when did emperor palpatine become the night king because he was like starting to raise up the ships raise up the dead (laughs) yeah yeah now they by the way the writer on this also wrote batman v superman yeah so just take that take that into your but i mean there. going further back i was just talking to my friend rupert about this is that chris terrero or terrario or however you say his last name i think that he's one of those one hit wonders that he made one good script and then he got all these jobs lined up and he just started pumping out this like well uh, i mean he wrote argo too yeah but I don't think you write a movie for Disney. You just kind (laughs) of throw some ideas around and then they take it to marketing department and see, you know, the cost benefit analysis, whatever idea and how many action figures and or video games they can make from the idea. And then they come back and they're like, "Uh, it's not testing well with our uh, focus groups. So you got to think of something else. I mean, I, I wonder, I wonder with movies this big, whether they do test, you know, screening through this kind of shit because, like, it is such a big. I bet they do. <laughs> Every scene, they probably play back for some some testing. I mean, I know, I know that. Um, I know that. For instance, uh, you know, you and I had talked about this before, but like World War Z being the giant clusterfuck that it is, like they ended up showing that to test audience, and test audiences hated it, and they had to go back and reshoot the entire third act that they rewrote. And then just drove up the cost of that movie astronomically. And I can't imagine them doing something like that for a Star Wars movie. But, you know, let's be honest here. Like, the big actors that you go to see, they probably aren't really busy with anything else. <laughs> like, Harrison Ford yeah. and Carrie Fisher and right. Billy D. Williams. Well, Carrie Fisher wasn't very busy for this movie because she was dead. <laughs> but, wow. You, just uh, really, you, know, they... you really, really had to go there <laughs> I mean, I thought... I thought they uh, they CG'd her in, scanned her body, and puppeted her from a computer. But apparently, they had all these extra scenes that they'd filmed for Force Awakens or whatever, and that he just wrote a bunch of scenes to use that mm-hmm. footage 
and I was kind of surprised that they just didn't go full Lucasfilm and kind of erase the actor. <laughs> and, I'm sure when you signed up for Lucasfilm, they're like, we can use your image in any shape or form. Yeah. Or whatever. We you know, uh, going back to it, I, I wanted to ask you because maybe my memory of Star Wars isn't as great as it should be, but were TIE fighters always able to jump to hyperspace? No, Gabe. <laughs> no, they were not. They... <laughs> The rebels had the advantage because their starfighters had shields and hyperdrives, right. whereas the TIE fighters did not. Right. Of course, so that was the philosophical difference between the Empire <laughs> and disposable people and pilots versus the Alliance, which is rugged individualism. Right. And, so yeah. with this movie, they just miracled that technology into it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just like they have flying stuff. They just. It's off the hook, man. It's off the chains. <laughs> Anything goes in this movie. You know, I mean, yeah. that sort of shit works when you have a movie like Mad Max, where you have a, a crazy person directing who can do whatever he wants. Yeah. You know, that works for those kinds of movies. But for like an established franchise like this, where they spent an entire majority of it is like some sort of, you know, this is an advantage of the uh, the Rebel Alliance and blah, 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 blah. And then they just kind of shit all that down the toilet. <laughs> in one second in order to create yeah. a new oh. scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got to keep upping the stakes at every opportunity. I mean, <laughs> now there's 10,000 Star Destroyers flying around in one place and somehow they can't fly around out of the planet. It just, yeah. All right. And then another thing, <laughs> another thing that completely pulled me out of this movie was uh, when did lightsabers become boomerangs? I, I'm assuming she uses the force in order to bring it back, and, but like there's no force pull or anything. Because it was in the script. It was in the script, Gabe. <laughs> they, they thought it was look cool and they put it in the script. <laughs> Just like why why does Adam Driver take his like amazingly advanced TIE fighter and fly it along the floor of the desert <laughs> and try to crash into Ray, when he could just like fly circles around from high above and just shoot her. I mean, why? Because, why does he do that? They needed because the it looks cool. <laughs> they wanted to do it. Yeah, they wanted the backflip. They thought it looked cool, so they did that. It was everything about this movie. You know, I think I think there's actually a uh, a subliminal message that was written into this movie, right? And it was in the form of the the planet named Exegil. Is that how they said it? I can't remember how they said it in the movie. Exegil. Exegil. Yeah, the planet that they need to track down, right? That that name sounds like a cough suppressant. So, so where where the writers and the director during this movie drinking cough syrup? as a way of like bringing forward their imagination yeah. because that's that's, that's yeah. really what it Get felt like to me was they were sipping on syrup so that way they could have some sort of uh brain wave as they might call it i don't know i mean i don't know how you come up with a bunch of names for planets the never-ending list i don't of know and th this could be something, something that was already pre-existing that i didn't read one of the fifty thousand books that might have well i think they they just write they write the movie and then a bunch of the the authors have to come up away with ways of explaining the movie <laughs> after the fact <laughs> make sense within the universe yeah. i mean they had to do Force Awakens and the Jedi one. What was the last one? 
Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. Which you liked, by the way, but All right. was... Yeah, so speak speak to me on this for a second. So okay, before I, we go, I like I think Rise of Skywalker had to dig itself out of the pit that Ryan Johnson made the last Jedi. And so you can't blame you can't blame JJ Abrams for everything that was all right, Rise all right, of Skywalker. All right, hang on, hang on for a second. Because <laughs> I, w- I will fully admit that I am a Ryan Johnson fanboy. And, you know, like, to me, he can do no wrong other than Brothers Bloom, which is a complete god-awful pile of shit, which I don't understand. But I think that was because it was his first studio movie, you know? Like, he, uh, he, he had just yeah. done Brick, and, like, he was looking for the new thing. And, you know, he had just done Breaking Bad, and, like, he was looking for something that he could do, and he just kind of scratched this out of his ass. And that's what Brothers Bloom was. But I don't, you know, other than that movie, for me, he can't do any wrong. Like, you know, I, I've talked to you about this before. You know, like, Brick is an unbelievable masterpiece of noir filmmaking, in my my opinion. Sure, yeah. And, uh, you know... No, I think he's a great filmmaker. And Looper, but... Looper, I think, is a great movie as well. Like, it's oh, a great sure. film. And for me, I mean, you're going you're, <laughs> you're gonna to go off on me about this for a second. But for me... Last Jedi, I think, is the best in the canon, even over the original trilogy. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, uh, yeah, I don't know, right. Gabe. I don't know that at all. I mean, how do you even... So, oh, let, me, let me explain myself for a second, okay? So, mm-hmm. when A New Hope came out, right? Like, it was this big thing that was a cultural phenomenon and it was like unexpected and people got wrapped up into this world of star wars that they never knew was this significant to them right and they never knew that this was going to happen so when when they did a new hope you know it's this huge cultural phenomenon blah 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 blah, and then they go on to empire strikes back and if you look back in history and especially at critical reviews like people didn't like Empire Strikes Back. Like, a lot of people had a lot of negative things to say about it. The critics had a lot of negative things to say about it. And the audiences didn't respond to it as much as Star Wars, the first one. And so, like, in in my mind, and I'm going to justify my opinion on this, is that in my mind, you know, like, they were trying... They were trying to move the story forward with Empire Strikes Back and do, like, explore things. And people felt uncomfortable with the way that they were doing things, whether it was the Force... Or like the whole sequence of Luke and training or any of that shit. You know, like they were they were concerned by it. And so for me, with The Last Jedi, it it feels like a bit of the same because people were kind of unfairly sucking the dick of JJ Abrams on <laughs> The Force Awakens, even though it does have its problems and everybody knows that it has those problems, even though they don't want to admit it. But the second movie with the last Jedi, like Brian Johnson was really trying to push it forward. At least I feel, and he was trying to explore new avenues of what this universe was capable of. And like, it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, he took a lot of risks. He took a lot of risks and I feel like Disney took a lot of risks approving the script that he wrote and yeah, they kind of paid for it. Well, <laughs> and, did they really pay for it? Because but, they made a lot of money on the movie. And on top of that, they liked it so much. And they liked the reaction of the movie so much that they, they gave Ryan Johnson his own trilogy in order to explore Star Wars however he wanted. So, like, did, did they really take a risk? Did he come back for the third film? No. 
did they throw out like everything that he built up in uh in the uh, last skywalker last jedi? yeah they can last whatever <laughs> last jedi skywalker i don't know i can't keep track but i don't know my impression was a lot of people hated last jedi especially the the predominantly white male nerd in their darkened basement <laughs> types you know the main fan base the incels is what you're saying and yeah and that's that's not to call the star wars well, based incels i'm just cracking a joke uh well <laughs> yeah you better be careful who you insult Gary. we're on the internet they might hear yeah, about it might. but well is that to say that you liked last jedi or you liked um rise of skywalker more than you like last jedi no no i don't think so i mean rise of skywalker was it was pretty terrible <laughs> Uh, but I had a lot of problems with Last Skywalker. It was he had a lot of dumb moments in the script that really pissed me off and took me out of like the, movie. the shit like, with the uh, with the worm or the the snake, the giant snake that they fell into. They happen to fall into the pit and fall into the labyrinth, and there's the giant snake that just wants to be healed. Yeah, why not? I mean, you got to give Ray some special powers, and oh guess what she uses her special powers later on pretty awesome <laughs> you didn't see that coming it's uh but, it's that classic setup i can't remember what comedian was saying what the fuck was that but he says at the beginning of the movie when they're talking about the giant power plant that was just built do you think that that might have something to do with the third act of the movie that they might do something <laughs> the giant power plant at the end of the movie i can't remember what comedian was saying that but you know it, it it's a very very poor in screenwriting, they call it um, like planting seeds, right? And then like in the third act, they pay off because that scene very much does come in the middle of the second act. And the second act is what they call fun in games and film writing is that like it's this, yeah. it's this way of developing your characters and putting them in situations that you want to pay off in the third act. But in this movie, a lot of the fun in games is exactly fun in games, which is visual masturbation which has nothing to do with the fact that it might come up in the third act other than maybe the uh ray's ability to heal the worm yeah no man they need they need more stuff they need more puppets <laughs> and more cg and that's because they have a 300 million dollar budget and they need to they need to get some some work work in there man uh, I just i was so perturbed with it that you know for me it's definitely very flat it's it's very much like a curve right like it's very flat at the beginning with force awakens there's a spike in the middle for me which is the last jedi and then it's this downhill roller coaster plummet <laughs> toy pile of shit for the ninth film and it's just it's unfortunate that that's the way it ended up turning up because it's just it's not a good movie in any way shape or form in my opinion like i mean their sets are cool you got to appreciate the fact that they went back to a lot of in-camera effects yeah. and puppetry. I mean, they made some pretty sweet puppets <laughs> and droid yeah, robots. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you can't, I don't know, you can't knock it for that. They could have just done it George Lucas style and seen, you know, filmed every scene in front of a green screen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, no sets, no props. Just so that that actually brings up another point that I was uh, talking with. I've talked to you about this before, but I feel like J.J. Abrams is a director who doesn't have a vision or a style of his own. 
other than lens flares, even, even narratively. Like it always feels to me that he's taking whatever property that he's doing and he's just mimicking whatever the best director or the best film did in that series. And then he just puts it out as his own and he sits back in his little tweed shirt with his little glasses, with his fingers crossed, like he's fucking smart, but he's not. He's, he's a, he's a, uh, for lack of a better phrase, he's a, he's a studio man. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like uh, in the, in the age of the thirties and the forties, when they were just hiring directors that really didn't have a name in rote in order to direct like eight pictures for Warner brothers or whatever, it was just these like (laughs) stamp them out, get them out and like abide by these certain things in order to make sure that we can still have money coming in. I think he has certain artistic style in that everything has this hyper energy behind it everything's he's just i bet he's sitting behind the the camera and he's always like be more intense be more intense every scene that he films he's like you're not intense enough. so run faster so let, let's let's break so, that down for a second because it's, it's funny that. that you say that because i feel like uh i feel like super eight is the complete opposite of that like, I don't feel like Super 8 has an enormous amount of tension or, like, forward momentum or anything like that that actually compels the story to be worthwhile. Like, it, it feels to me that he directed or that he looked at uh, Close Encounters and he was just like, you know, Close Encounters and E.T. Yeah. and he just copied whatever Spielberg did. It didn't feel like he was doing anything that he wanted to do that was his own. Yeah, no, it's, that movie is entirely nostalgic and Which is his Star Wars Serves movie. no other purpose. Yes, yeah, his Star Wars movies and his Star Trek <laughs> movies too. So. That's, I mean, this is this is another pet peeve as a as a nerd myself is that you know I grew up watching Star Trek and for me it was always Star Trek the original and Star Trek the Next Generation and like for me I'm a Next Generation guy. I'm a Picard guy. You know, like Kirk. Kirk is a piece yeah. of shit compared to Picard. <laughs> uh-huh. But what really perturbed me about him doing Star Trek is that when he did Star Trek, I remember seeing this interview with him where he was saying, and he was kind of like trying to joke and laugh it off the cuff and whatnot. And he said that he had never really seen Star Trek and he was never a fan. Oh, Jesus. And I got really mad at him because it was just like, how the fuck can you direct this property then? Like it's, this is something, I mean, it's not, I'm not going to give it the same gusto or credence that star Wars deserves because it's very much a different audience, even though it's similar in terms of like the people that watch it. But like star Trek is a very specific fan base. It's like very, very fucking devoted to it because a lot of us, especially people in my generation and your generation may have grown up watching the next generation. So it's a very important moment in their life of like television and if you go back and you watch the next generation, like there's still a lot there. There's still a lot of like compelling shit long after the fact. And it's just a testament to how good that show is. But you know, I mean, for if him- you, if you look at say Star Trek, the original motion picture, it's, it's a like hardcore sci-fi movie, nothing. There's like not a single explosion in it. As far as I remember, like how do you, convince a movie studio to make a movie like that for 300 million dollars yeah you can't (laughs) you have to you have to do a jj abrams type thing with it or you have to scale back the budget to like 50 million dollars i mean if they made a 50 million dollar star star trek movie that was like stripped down and it was a character driven piece like the first star trek movie like I would be I would be behind that because like there was a lot happening in that show that wasn't special effects. I mean, 
wasn't the the third Star Trek movie in the most recent series. That was more of a, a character driven one. It wasn't directed. What Star Trek in the Darkness? Uh, the one that was partially written by Simon Pegg. Uh, oh, I think I think that was Darkness because like there's yeah. the the first one obviously, and then the second one, which is you know his take on Wrath of Khan, which was idiotic. And then, uh, and then the third movie, Into Darkness, was the one with Idris Elba being the bad guy. That's that's the one that you're talking about. Uh, do, 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 I don't know. I don't know. The <laughs> internet. <laughs> Real quick. Uh, come on. So Star Trek Into Darkness. I think I think that's the one that you're talking about, and I'm not sure if I agree with you on it being a character piece. <laughs> well, it was uh, more of a sci-fi movie than you know the jj abram ones hmm. didn't he he did into called. darkness though i think no 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 he did he did the first two that was he just the first Lin. two justin lynn directed yeah. the third one which yeah, is right. a bizarre directing choice right but they tried to make something less jj abrams like and i'm pretty sure it lost a lot of money yeah and, it lost a lot and of so that's that's reality of trying to make a movie for hundred plus million dollars you have to appeal to the lowest common denominator in your writing and <laughs> your direction well i think, ever expect I think to, to make be fair i think to be fair this is this is me going off of my film nerd standpoint is that a hundred million dollar budget movie isn't really like a big movie anymore they've kind of like taken the place of um of like the mid-budget movies of the 90s Sure. So, like, when you talk about big budget, I think you're talking about more like the 185s, the 200s, the 250 yeah. $250 million movies that really have to be a tent pole that's going to support the studio. Like, case right. in point, uh, uh, John Carter of Mars or whatever the fuck that movie was. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a movie that almost bankrupted a studio. Like, yeah. Disney dumped a shitload of money into that for no goddamn reason. And it was awful. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, and then they did it again with the Lone Ranger, you know, again, a $250 million movie that had yep. no purpose in actually being a $250 million movie. I, I think it still reinforces my point of that J.J. Abrams doesn't have a perspective. Like, he doesn't have a thing about him that makes him J.J. Abrams other than his fucking lens flares. <laughs> because you want to talk about, you want to talk about a studio picture, like, he's a studio man, you know, he creates these, like, Movies that like move forward with a lot of gusto and whatnot, right. but they don't really do anything. Because <laughs> I mean, think well, of they do. Well, they make money. Think about it that. right now. Think about it right now, right? In, ter <laughs> in terms of like real memories that you're forming, make, watching movies, right? Like you think about movies like Star Wars or Back to the Future or The Godfather or whatever. Like there's something about it that just latches in your memory, and you'll always remember it. Yeah, but like think about think about the second Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams did, right? Yeah, nothing. Can you, can you remember anything about it other than Spock trying to ham it up and pull that Wrath of Khan shit behind the glass? Yeah, no, there wasn't much going on with that. Yeah, there's, uh, I don't there's remember really much of any J.J. Abrams movies except uh, I remember a lot of Force Awakens. I mean, that one stuck with me. So Is it only because it was the first Star Wars movie in X number of years? No, I think uh, I think it had a lot of quality moments in it, even <laughs> though there were dumb things. Uh, <laughs> but it had a lot of interesting things going on. 
Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got you got Han Solo dying, and you know you've got uh, the whole scene where Finn meets uh, what's his name, the pilot guy. <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> that character, Oscar Island. Let's just call it Oscar, Oscar. Isaac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poe. Yeah, po, you there you go. scene where they meet each other and escape from the, the Star Destroyer. I mean, that's great stuff, man. Come on. Come you're, on. you're saying all of this, and it's like it's kind of triggering something, <laughs> but I can't for the life of me actually remember the scene where he met Cameron Poe. I remember there was something about a leather jacket. <laughs> Poe lets him borrow his jacket. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, right. that's See, really all I remember about them meeting completely memorable game <laughs> <laughs> well obviously not because of uh, memory yeah. i i try i try i really really do i try to sit down and watch every one of jj abrams's things that i can and you know i mean to be honest the only thing why <laughs> you hate him so much why do you sit down and do that to yourself man? <laughs> because, because i have to know what he's doing because the moment that i talk to you about it about how much i hate this new thing that he did you're gonna tell me oh well did you see this did you see that he did uh-huh. this other thing, and I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, I saw it, and it was a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> so the the only thing that I can say that, and it's not really his, other than that he's an executive producer, is that the only thing that I watched that's his, quote unquote, is uh, Westworld. You know, but like I think that Westworld, I'm holding on for more of like the HBO thing and like the Jonathan Nolan thing, and that's really what's keeping mm-hmm. me invested. But I mean, to be honest, more than anything, because the second season was such a fucking disaster of that television show, is that I, <laughs> the only thing that kept me interested was Ed Harris, because Ed Harris is such a like amazing actor. Yeah. That he kept me rooted in any scene because it was just like I would be drifting off. I would be thinking about something else, and then yeah. Harris would come in and start fucking shit up, and then I would be paying attention because uh. he's a quality actor. Yeah, I didn't make it through the first season of Westworld. I just oh, really? Didn't, I didn't care about the characters at all, and huh. I felt like I was kind of wasting my time. <laughs> I, I thought no, I thought that would be a show no you watching because, like, you're 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 a fan of Michael Crichton, and like you like the the movie, yeah. you know? And yeah. No, I just uh, it felt like a lot of work for characters that I don't care about because all of them are pretty awful human beings and I just don't give a shit <laughs> or, or they're androids and you know, who cares? Right. So I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird show in the sense that I enjoyed the first season, but I didn't think there was like classic, like something that I'm going to talk about in 20 years. But you know, like the second season I felt really, really like, distraught over it because nothing was happening and it was needlessly confusing for no fucking reason and like the third season just came back and the third season i really like sort of started latching on to and a lot of that has to do with the aaron paul isn't it aaron paul's such a great actor yeah the other thing about it is is that jonathan nolan like jonathan nolan and lisa joy like changed what they were focusing on and so they're putting it a lot of it more in the in the real world and like for me, that's a little more compelling because it feels more like something that Jonathan Nolan would be doing. No, it could uh, it could get better over time, uh, but I don't know. I've got other things that I need to catch up with. And, <laughs> you know, so. It's not Westworld or uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I uh, I do the like one month of HBO. You know, I pay the subscription for one month 
watch everything that I want and then cancel it. So <laughs> it hasn't come around to that time of year yet. So I'll, I'll just say this just for the sake of saying it is that you're a fucking engineer, Paul, and you live in Seattle and you make a decent amount of money. You really can't afford the $11 a month. I don't. I don't want to pay for it. I'm cheap. What can I say? <laughs> well, I mean, how, many, how many movie services do you pay for? You know what? Actually, big chunk of money <laughs> is going away to your shit. So I, I'll say this. I'll say yes. I do subscribe to a lot of movie services. Like I do Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and then in Amazon I have HBO, Cinemax, Showtime, Stars, and. <laughs> one other i can't remember oh and i also pay for that service movie which is like this independent film service and then i do uh the criterion collection because they did their streaming service that they started last year and so like i i do all those but like even if you add up all my subscriptions i'm paying 75 dollars a month for my subscriptions you can't you can't watch all that content i i can try that's my you know i can try You've known me. You've known me for the majority of your life. You know that I fucking watch as much as I can, and I watch more than the next person. But all that being said, like I feel like I get my money's worth. I really do because I'm watching at least one of everything on every service. Yeah, I will say that I used to watch a ton of movies, and now I'm probably down to ten new movies a year. I just don't watch a lot of TV and movies anymore. And I'll just I'll, I'll cut this it's, portion uh, out of the podcast I've so it sounds like fallen, you actually know what you're talking. I've fallen so far behind on all of my movies and TV shows, and it's at that point where you're in a big hole, and you're like, "Well, I could try digging out, or I could just kind of sit." But you get you get probably <laughs> what like three or four of the uh, the big best picture contenders every year by the end of the year. Oh, maybe this year. I mean, I haven't seen parasite or any of these things did you watch uh did you watch the irishman though i did i saw the irishman okay and robert de niro looked really old (laughs) and yeah he did not have his same physical presence that he used to Hmm. i was glad that they did it i thought it was a good movie overall but yeah it was he's a bit old for trying to like beat the shit out of some guy on the street and you can tell that he's about to throw his back out just from like bending over <laughs> so let's 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 tie this back for a second because it's, it's yeah. interesting that we were talking about scorsese because you know no, regardless of how many movies he does or whatever like you're always going to be available for that because it's scorsese and I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that you grew up watching Scorsese movies, but also how you feel towards Scorsese movies. Do you, do you feel like maybe in 10 years, if J.J. Abrams is doing some new movie, that you would go see it because it's J.J. Abrams? Or would you just, if it's not a subject matter like Star Wars or whatever that you might be interested in, you'll just... No, I wouldn't. I think J.J. Uh, Abrams is a type of director that you can bring on to a well-established kind of property, if you want to call it that, and he can make something work for you in financial terms. <laughs> but I don't care. I wouldn't go to his new original movie because yeah. he doesn't really do original movies. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't... It's, it's not a draw like Scorsese or Spielberg or Tarantino. Um, 
he's not yeah he's not that kind of director he's he's just someone who can make like gather all the inputs <laughs> and make them into something fairly cohesive he can take all of the studio shit that they want him to do and <laughs> like make something fairly decent for everyone so, but it's it, his movies are always a compromise between satisfying like the the fans of whatever franchise it is satisfying the the production the studio people and trying to make something exciting and fun so would you would you agree that he's a company man then yeah no for sure he's a company man but i think that given the choices of a lot of directors out there like he was a fairly good choice for bringing star wars back yeah i mean thinking thinking <laughs> about it you know i i still feel like he didn't deserve to direct two star wars movies <laughs> no they just they had no more ideas because of what ryan johnson did <laughs> I, I mean we're in such a deep hole with the story and <laughs> you know let's just bring in jj abrams because people seem to like his movie more than Johnson. Well, that sort of brings up an interesting point because I was just talking to someone about this as well. Is that like Colin Trevorrow is credited on this movie as being like one of the writers, right? And Colin was their original pick for the ninth Star Wars movie that he was going to direct it, and then for reasons unknown, <laughs> yeah. he wasn't their pick all of a sudden. And J.J. Abrams took over in order to direct the movie, but it's it's interesting the reason i bring it up is that like jj uh, abrams i never feel had that sort of growing experience that every director who's done a star wars movie up until him sort of had you know like george george lucas started out as indie you know like uh colin trevorrow even though he was supposed to direct it like he was an indie before he did jurassic world and you know like everybody was sort of coming out of this indie world in order to create star wars and I feel like that's sort of lacking with uh, the Star Wars movies because like Ryan Johnson's a perfect example. Like, you know, uh, Brick was a, what, one and a half million dollar movie? It was nothing. Yeah. And you know, like uh, Looper was a little bit bigger. It was a $40 million movie, but you know I mean? Still, that's, that's small in comparison, especially in 2012. Like that's still, that doesn't even qualify as like mid-budget anymore these days. Like yeah. it's still small. And then he gets, you know, The Last Jedi and it's this huge fucking movie. <laughs> but I'll say, I'll say that, like, I feel like it's really lacking in that because, like, there's no, it's, it's just a fucking studio picture. You know, like, it's just. Yeah, a it's a product. Yeah. It's a product that is designed to sell t-shirts <laughs> and shit. <man. laughs> like, if you accept that fact that it's designed to make money, it's practically engineered popcorn material. <laughs> consumption material <laughs> like if you if you accept the fact that that's what it is i think it does it better than a lot a ton of those kind of movies mm. it's much higher quality it's got a lot more going on if you just accept the fact that it's a tentpole <laughs> big budget bullshit movie <laughs> designed to sell action figures and video games i don't know man just, like i think jj abrams I think he brings a little bit of soul somehow into these kind of just corporate trash dump <laughs> movies. <laughs> I, mean, 
I think he brings something something to the table. It's hard to articulate. I don't know. I feel I feel like he brings some love into the Star Wars stuff and all the people that work on the movie. You could feel it coming through that they enjoyed working on it and made something that could have been much worse. <laughs> you know, it's like not if they hired Michael Bay in order to do it. Oh, geez. Yes. See, <laughs> could have been a lot worse, Gabe. Yeah, it, it could have. It really could have. But I mean, it's it's still for me, you know, I mean, it really is missing that element because there's there's a lot that Ryan Johnson brought to the table that I felt from previous movies like Looper and stuff like that that I felt kind of elevated the movie in a way that it wasn't uh, just another studio temple picture, you know, and that, that was, that's my biggest problem with JJ is that it's just, he's just a company man and there's nothing about him that's particularly interesting. But all that being said, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm looking forward to Ryan Johnson's trilogy. I don't give a shit what anybody says about that. Are they still going to make that? Is that really a... a is that I mean, a that, that was the last thing that I read was uh, they were talking about that. Um, did you cut out? Sorry, I just turned off the video. Oh, no. I'm going to... Got to adjust the ball snap. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... I uh, I uh, I don't know if they're actually going to do it, but I haven't heard anything to the contrary, you know. And um, I yeah. think that it's I think that it's interesting, and uh, I'll see it for sure. I wanted to bring it up one more time about Ryan Johnson because this this movie was released at the exact same time as Ryan Johnson's movie Knives Out. And uh, the reason I bring it up is is that in China, you know, which is a huge market that the studios really rely on in order to press a movie above the billion and the $2 billion mark. When they released Star Wars, I read this article, I think it was on Box Office Mojo, but they were saying that at the same week that Star Wars was being released in China, that Knives Out was being released in China at the same time. And Knives Out ended up making more money in China on its opening weekend than Star Wars. Really? Really? That's interesting. And that to me, part of it was, is that I, I feel, I, I can't obviously speak for Chinese people in the Chinese market, but I feel like maybe Ryan Johnson's name meant something because in the trailer, you know, like yeah. they pushed that it was the director of The Last Jedi and whatnot. They don't yeah. mention that it was the director of Brick or whatever. And- well, I think big problem with all of these tentpole movies is now that they're trying to get that global audience in that they have to make a lot of compromises that don't cross cultures so much Mm. you know like transformers people love that shit in china and i guess people like it here too but it seems like they have to make a lot of compromises and how they tell the story and what the story is right to appeal to that global audience whereas if you just made an american film that we would probably like it better over here, but then, you know, the global box office numbers. But I mean, I I feel like Knives Out kind of refuted that at least in terms of like, I think it was name recognition because that for all intents and purposes, like Knives Out is an American picture, you know, in like every single sense of the word, like it's not made for an international audience. Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, From what I understand, the Chinese don't really big star wars as much it's not as big in their culture as it is for america so but like avatar and venom and shit like that <laughs> the meg i mean have you seen that <laughs> that is that is like 100 percent chinese money going to that movie as far as i know and i know it did really well over there partially because i mean it was they had a lot of chinese actors and it takes place in a chinese corporation everything like that yeah. but uh, yeah. i feel like that is 
what they feel is a more globally acceptable movie type hmm. and just how they structure it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is a that is an awful fucking movie to bring up. Actually. <laughs> sure. Sure. I watched it though. I yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> that was one of the movies I All right. So another another thing uh, that I want to bring up about Star Wars is uh I don't understand the red welds on his helmet. <laughs> What's what's not to understand, well, Gabe? He had to put it back yeah, together because he because Ryan Johnson broke that, it in the that, previous that, movie. That monkey, he's more intimidating with the, the mask on. <laughs> the monkey creature puts it back together and welds it in a really shitty manner, by the way, because like even though you show you show him like banging it out and like getting the curve right and everything like that, like don't they have three D printers by now in Star Wars? I mean, what the fuck? Can he just print a new one? I don't know. That's, that's a good. That's a good point. That was the the biggest thing in. The last Jedi that pissed me off was when the the blue haired lady she's trumping it, you know, she's holding it close to her vest what her plans are, but then she like light speeds into all of the battle uh, battle destroyer and into the the ships and blows them up and completely destroys them. But I'm like, why not just strap a hyperdrive onto a rock and do the same thing with it? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> Didn't anyone out of the probably trillions of people in this galaxy like think of that before? Like, what the hell? All right, so... No one thought of that. Number one, have you, have you ever seen anything in the Star Wars movie that suggests the Rebel Alliance has any sort of R&D department or any money in order to do yeah, something? Yeah, they've got like the that. giant Mon Calamari cruisers that are really technologically advanced and can hold their own for the most part against what the Empire. I feel has. like all that shit is just like ha- like you know stuff that they picked up along the way. Like they are a ragtag group of individuals that has been reinforced since the first fucking movie. Right. So they're ragtags. So why not take some old hyperdrives <laughs> and strap them to rocks and shoot them like <laughs> missiles? Why why fly pilots? I mean they have the whole at the beginning of Last Jedi. They have this whole scene with these b-21 bomber things that are flying right next to each other even though space is really big (laughs) they don't have to fly next to each other but then they have to drop bombs when they could just (laughs) fling the bombs from a safe distance and get the same effect i mean what the like there's so many things like that in the last jedi that's why i don't like the movie i like this line enough i like what luke is like a lot of people have a problem how luke is this you know hardened coward now yeah, I, I, I didn't like that either like everybody talking about that shit because it's just like everybody that's ever seen a star wars movie knows that a jedi master is going to go into seclusion like that's what happened with obi-wan you know like that's the way it's always going to be is that they have to go into seclusion once they reach a certain like point with the force that they believe that it could go either way and they can't handle that like dichotomy in the force they seclude themselves so that way people don't know about how powerful it can be and so that's the exact same thing that happened with luke and everybody that saw the last jedi that bitched about how luke's motivations weren't justified or that why the fuck is he a recluse or why is he i mean one of my friends called him a pussy i was just like how is he a pussy like 
if anybody that has that opinion in my mind is a fucking idiot. <laughs> like they weren't, <laughs> they weren't paying attention to the other movies. They just weren't. And yeah. it's just like, it's really, I'm glad that you picked up on that. <laughs> no, no, I liked, I liked Luke's character. I like how he's like a craggly old man who just doesn't give a shit anymore. It's like, it's not my fight. Just leave me the phone. <laughs> I just want to drink blue milk from a uh, walrus teat. And I like, I liked all of that with him and how he doesn't want to treat, you know, train Ray. Of course, she just like in the first movie, she just picks it up, even though it takes Luke like years to develop his talents and skills and everything. Right. But Ray just like she picks up a lightsaber and defeats Kylo Ren <laughs> just because even though he's had years of training and he's a, a fucking killer, man, and he, you know, can't can't touch her but <laughs> but anyways last jedi pissed me off because they've got this slow speed chase that takes like an hour hour and a half of the movie when the empire guys could just light speed like two minutes ahead of the rebels and kill them like that surround them but no they have to go slow meanwhile what's her name What's the Asian actor? Oh, right. The uh, the female. The female. Finn and her go off. They have all this time to fly off, go on a separate adventure. Meanwhile, the Empire just can't figure out how to use a pair of binoculars (laughs) to see the rebels. You know, (laughs) like all of that. There's so many moves. I don't know. I don't know what Ryan Johnson was doing. Like if he just had these ideas of a certain scene that he wanted and then he wrote the script to get to that scene or. Look, it's, 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 it's not without its problems. Okay. I'll, I'll give it that. It's not without its problems, but in terms of the number of problems that are in it, in my mind is relatively less than several other Star Wars movies like combined. And for me that yielded yeah. something that was more satisfying for me because I could overlook those problems in comparison to yeah. other glaring other glaring difficulties that were in other Star Wars movies. And that's why I was more willing to give The Last Jedi a pass, is that it felt more there was at least something there that I could like attach to and like feel more urgent yeah. about than with the other bullshit movies because they just don't fucking yeah. matter. No, it's true. You with all of these Star Wars movies, you have to go back. I mean, I grew up watching star wars i had like the vhs tapes that i probably watched hundreds of times and then the originals is what you're saying is not the yeah the originals and you know i used to think i was a big star wars fan until i went to comic-con and met some of these people that are true star wars fans and it kind of scared the shit out of me honestly like (laughs) i don't know and you have to you have to remember that it's a movie that you know it's not consistent with physics. It's got its own, hmm. its own thing. It's just, you know, it's a movie that some people wrote <laughs> and it doesn't really make sense from like a scientific perspective. Well, it's not going to be scientifically but... accurate. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> but still, it's like there's a lot of just gaps in the reasoning. Yeah, logical and, reasoning problems. Yeah, yeah. That took me out of last last skywalker last jedi last jedi yeah whatever (laughs) but those gaps for you were also in 
the force awakens and the rise of skywalker force awakens not so much it uh, i thought it was pretty consistent with the previous movies in how things worked in the universe mm-hmm. and i think partially because they tried to play it safe and do the exact same thing as new hope and so they didn't have to have all these like exciting new concepts that came in with last jedi okay you know, this time i get it right but <laughs> but uh last jedi is not consistent with the whole universe i think and hmm took me out too many times for me to really enjoy it <laughs> but in the end i i liked it i liked what he did with the characters a lot and you know so for you for you it's a downward trajectory from the force awakens force awakens the last jedi and then bottom of the barrel just <laughs> fucking pancaking it on rise of skywalker yeah it's hard to describe how i feel about it I feel like Force Awakens had the energy and like momentum behind it and introducing all these new characters and the possibilities of where the story could go. And then, you know, it got fleshed out more into something more disappointing than I wanted (laughs) in Last Jedi. And then, you know, they had to take it from there for the last movie and they just kind of drove it into the ground from there. Right. Right. It's over now, and I don't have to give Disney any more money. For Until Star they come out with another movie. Star Wars movie. I don't know. I can Maybe if it's in like five years, I could go back to a theater and see a new Star Wars movie. But I don't know. I just... I don't care anymore. Well, you know that you know that uh, you know that DB Weiss and David Benioff were supposed to do like a Star Wars trilogy, right? Are they going to? Now? Well, that ended up getting nixed. Is that there was this whole yeah, thing about yeah. it that they weren't going to do it anymore because Disney was like going in a different direction or whatever. And I think a lot of it had to do with the way that they mishandled the ending of Game of Thrones and they fucked that up royally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that could happen, but. Uh... So let me let me ask you this then is that there's there's this huge thing in Rise of Skywalker that drives me insane and I wanted to talk to you about it was the wreckage of the Death Star being on that planet. Right. Why isn't it on Endor I, and not I'm not the Ewoks? I'm or, not exactly sure what the fuck was going on there, but I remember that I was watching it and like my wife Caitlin walked into the room right as I was watching the scene and I see this shit and I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is the remains of the Death Star like on this planet that she just happened to wander across and now she's wandering around (laughs) in the ruins and it just so happens that she's exposed to some shit about the Emperor or blah, 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 blah. And like something about Kylo Ren that I really don't give a fuck about any of this. Gabe, it's not... It's not it's not a Star Wars movie without a Death Star. I know, I know, for real. You know, I mean I remember when uh, I remember when Rogue One came out that I was I was pissed off when I saw the trailer because it was just like, Oh great, another fucking Death Star movie. <laughs> Can we yeah. just like drop the Death Star thing and do something else? I mean, like anything else. Like I know that the yeah. fucking Star Wars universe is expansive and gigantic <laughs> and there's all these TV shows and fan fiction and like novels and like official shit that actually sort of tries to do something else or explore different sides of the storyline but they keep coming back to the goddamn death star and i don't understand why but to ryan no. johnson's credit he never <laughs> talked about the death star in that movie so no. go fuck yourself well i mean they they have to keep upping the stakes but i mean 
the first Star Wars where there's a Death Star that can blow up whole planets <laughs> is like kind of as high as you can go. But now there's a great line in this final movie. Uh, it's like all these Death Destroy or Star Destroyers have planet killing weapons and pose like, of course they do. And it's just like, of course they do, man. You gotta, you gotta have the, get up the ante somehow. You, you know, know, you so. know, of all the Star Wars like fan fiction, like references and other TV shows and shit like that, my favorite fucking iteration of it is in Family Guy with the Blue Harvest episode. Mm-hmm. There's that moment where it, it's just after they rescued Leia and like Lois is standing there as Leia and she says some snide comment to Peter and Peter's like, Oh, you know, that's a really good idea, but maybe we should go check out your home planet or Alderaan. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and to this day, it's still my favorite joke about star Wars just because it's so heartless. No, I think the, the biggest problem with the last Skywalker is it, what is it called? The last Jedi. No, the other one, Rise rise of Skywalker. Right. Right. (laughs) <laughs> which all but, i can think uh, of by the way with the title when they didn't announce it and then they finally announced the title rise of skywalker all i could think of was that bullshit movie that was the following up of uh, van wilder the rise of todd <laughs> <laughs> that's all i could think of yeah no i think the biggest problem with rise of skywalker is that they try to cram way too much shit in there and they don't give it room to breathe at all and they introduce all these new characters and it's just like why do you bother with this kind of shit like (laughs) let's take a let's take two minutes uh, to give poe like a backstory and some relationship with this woman who i'm guessing dated jj abrams at some point because what daisy ridley you're saying no no the oh right right, right. spice smuggler that gives him you know that's carrie russell under that fucking mask yeah i don't know who that is look up look up look up carrie russell you know exactly what i'm talking about when you look her up but like it's it's sort of one of these moments. was she was she in lost uh i know, I know she's got to have some relationship to jj that Adams. i don't know actually uh i don't know if she's yeah. in lost that's a good that's a good uh good question but, you know they just like throw her in there in this meat grinder of a script and they're like all right we're gonna give you a moment <laughs> and go more intense more intense like, oh that's uh, a connection yeah. to jj abrams mission impossible three uh, okay there you go yeah I knew it was something, but the whole thing is they're always trying to top whatever they've done, make it more epic, more grand. Was was there ever a moment in just more shit in the movie that you know it ends up falling flat? Was there ever a moment in Skywalker where you felt like it was one of these like gigantic movie scenes that was so epic and so memorable that you're gonna remember it in ten years? Uh, I think when they go to the desert planet <laughs> and there's the giant like colors festival or whatever that was pretty cool and uh, that had a lot of good energy to it and i think I'll even though that was like total cult- cultural appropriation <laughs> <laughs> i mean every every star wars is about taking like these stereotypes from different cultures and trying to wrap them <laughs> up into some exotic alien that was the most that was the most ham-fisted way of putting billy d williams back in the series was that 
Oh, well, scene. <laughs> no, and he always shows up at the right moment. You're like, oh shit, Lando's back. Oh, <laughs> I said that like four times during the movie. Whenever he shows up at just the right moment. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, to be fair though, like he showed up at right exactly the right moment in uh, Empire Strikes Back. No, they they seek him out in that movie. They're like, oh, I remember this old cat Lando. We have a. Uh, <laughs> kind of have a thing but you know maybe maybe he'll help us that wasn't that wasn't he just like miracled his ass over there for whatever reason so wait i gotta you, you brought up lando so i got i gotta ask like did you see solo yeah yeah of course I did. <laughs> so i paid i paid the nerd tax for that one so what what about and, solo then like the way that they handled early lando and early han solo i i liked uh what's his name the guy that played Lando in that. Donald Glover, I'm sorry. Donald Donald Glover, yeah. No, I liked how, I liked him a lot. He was probably the best part of that movie for me, honestly. He's great as Lando. I really do think he's great. He was a lot of fun. I have kind of mixed feelings about that movie. (laughs) It's, It's got a lot of good things, but at the same time, it's still retreading all this old, worn out shit that they could have done something interesting right. but they chose to do and that, that that was something that i was so angry about about disney fucking that movie over was uh you know i feel like phil lord and christopher miller were the perfect directors to do a han solo movie yeah because like the lego movies are fucking great i love the lego movies yeah and like i was one of the few people that was actually watching the last man on earth on fox talk about 21 jump street dude like 21 jump street and 22 jump street were fucking hilarious yeah and they're good movies so they're not like something that i'm going to refer to as like an all-time great comedic (laughs) film but all that being said i i uh i was super angry when they fired them off of solo because solo that's exactly the kind of movie that it needed to be was from these directors and from their perspective and i really feel like when i when i saw solo that that sort of cheesy ham-fisted sentimentality bullshit that's in that movie is entirely ron howard's doing because he's a fucking hack he has no (laughs) idea what he's doing anymore come on man hack come on tell me what was the last good movie that he did honestly that's a tough one i mean i thought apollo 13 was yeah but i mean that's that's but that was a long long time ago ago. i don't I don't know. I haven't really kept up. I mean, with him. The, the last movie that I can honestly think of that I really enjoyed of his that I think is a great movie, even though it's completely fucked up in terms of the way that it tells the actual true life story, is A Beautiful Mind. They fucked yeah. up Nash's story. Like, he is nothing like that. His story was nothing <laughs> like that. Yeah, you have to dramatize those things, Gabe. Sometimes uh, it make it a little more interesting. But I, I did really like his movie uh, Rush that he did about the uh, yeah, that's the right. car drivers. Yeah. I like that movie a lot, too. Yeah. He's, he's not a hack. He just needs the right material and the studio to leave him the fuck alone sometimes. He's a hack. <laughs> you just named all these movies that you like of him and you're calling him well, a hack. What the hell, Gabe? <laughs> I mean, it was uh, what I mean that was 2018 I think was Solo so I mean it was five years from his previous movie and his Da Vinci Code movies are piles of shit (laughs) (laughs) those are those are studio movies man those those are bad movies like legitimately bad movies and then uh, what was that other movie that he did In the Heart of the Sea his Moby Dick film that was fucking terrible too yeah I didn't see that (laughs) I didn't 
future. <laughs> That's not one you should see, Paul. It's just it's so I, fucking bad. He's he's capable of making a good movie given the right circumstances. Yeah, but in terms so. of like when the last time that he did a movie that you could consider something actually great, I I would actually agree yeah. with you on Apollo 13. I don't know. There's a lot of aged directors out there like that. They're way past their prime, but they can still bring people together and make a crafted product that uh, people can enjoy, what, are you, are, you know, but it's not, it's not going to be high art <laughs> or groundbreaking. Are you, are, are you referring to Ridley Scott? Yeah. R- Ridley Scott, Steven Spielberg, even uh, like Scorsese. I mean, Scorsese has made some great movies recently, but at the same time you can tell that he's not in his prime anymore. <laughs> See, I still have to disagree with you on that. Like, I think the Irishman is something truly different for him it reminded me a lot of uh, last temptation of christ actually and uh like a a sort of if you were to take i don't know if you saw silence his movie about the jesuit priests with liam neeson did not did not but he did if you took that movie and you mashed it together with uh with last temptation of christ and you viewed it through the lens of goodfellas like that's what the irishman is (laughs) (laughs) all right right. nope i'll probably still I'll keep going to see Scorsese's movies. But J.J. Abrams. You know, you go back to like Spielberg and if you saw Ready Player One, that was not... Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> it was not something special or... I, I paid to go see it. Because, it like... I mean, I think I told you what a fan of the book I was. You know, like I, I read the book and oh, yeah. the moment that I picked up the book, it's it's the first book in 15 years that I picked up the book and I could not put it down. Yeah. Like it was so entertaining and it was so such a great book and then i saw the movie and i was kind of like i had the same thing uh i read the book in one session yeah. and loved it but then yeah the movie i don't know if i hadn't read the book if i would have liked the movie more because mm-hmm. uh, usually if you read the book first you're gonna not like the movie as much as maybe yeah around the other way but uh i thought it was like trademark spielberg but there wasn't any soul behind it yeah and... it, did, it did feel soulless it felt like uh, the lost yeah. world when he directed the lost world <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a lot of aged directors out there that they can still make a nice quality product but they're not in their prime anymore <laughs> and there's not going to be a lot of original ideas coming into it so what's the shelf life on jj abrams then <sighs> he can i mean he's already in that place and he's always been there where he can make a crafted product he knows his craft well and he does the director job adequately yeah. as long as the people around him are good he can make a movie that's you know watchable good enough watchable <laughs> yeah <laughs> But he, I don't know, his, you know, I don't think he's original in any way. I mean, that's kind of his trademark is he just, he feeds off nostalgia for most of his movies. (laughs) And did, uh, I don't know. Did you ever sit down, not to bring up like hack directors, but did you ever sit down and watch Six Underground on Netflix? No, no, I haven't seen that. Michael Bay's new flick? Michael Bay. Oh my God. No. Yeah, it's pretty unforgivable, dude. It's something that you actually have to see in order to see what a train wreck it is. But I, I feel I feel like J.J. Abrams, for me, is sort of headed in that direction. Like, if he's not careful, he's going to turn into Michael Bay. Because Michael Bay is a studio man. Like, he makes these big budget properties. He does it. It makes money. He moves on to the next one. He does another thing. It makes money. And nobody's yeah. really giving a fuck other than that they're going to go see a movie that they can shove popcorn in their face. 
Yeah. Because it's oh. the only hole that they know that they're supposed to stick something. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just need that in your life, Gabe. I mean, <laughs> you watch a lot of movies. And for me, I don't really want to sit down anymore and watch a movie that's going to make me depressed. <laughs> like, I don't want to spend two and a half hours watching a depressing movie. So wait, did and, you see The Revenant then? Yeah, I saw The Revenant. That's yeah, two and a half hours I, I of depressing did. shit? Nah, well, eh, that's, to me, that's a little different, but like, I still haven't seen Moonlight, for example. Yeah. I know it's gonna, I know it's a great movie. I've seen like a couple scenes from it and I thought they were really excellent scenes, but I already know that the movie's depressing and so I'm like, <laughs> eh, I just, I don't, I don't sit down and watch 12 Years a Slave anymore you know like those kind of movies even though they're like great art it's just yeah we gotta start <laughs> shifting your perspective back paul oh yeah you're, you're yeah. missing you're missing the high art for the jj abrams of the world right now <laughs> yeah some yeah no i think i get more enjoyment of watching trashy b movies nowadays than what was the last trashy b movie that you saw oh my god uh i don't know there's a there's a bunch of good ones out there did you ever see uh, uh did you ever see zombievers zombievers <laughs> no, i, 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 I gotta one. recommend that one because it's a it's a it's a truly yeah. truly great b movie if you haven't seen it you gotta check it out yeah. it's so good it's so fucking terrible and it's so funny and it yeah. knows what it is you know like it doesn't try to be anything yeah. different and that's what's great about it. The last terrible but great movie that I saw was Samurai Cop. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. Oh my god, it's like this horrible movie from the eighties. And yeah, just go watch it. <laughs> watch it right now. Samurai Cop. Is that on? Uh, is that on Prime? I'm gonna have to check that out. Yes, it's somewhere around. Um, you can find it though. I know you have. <laughs> you have your sources, Gabe. You can yeah. find it. But yeah, that. That's a good one. <laughs> I had to pay the tax for Star Wars, and I can end my relationship with Disney branded Star Wars now. So, do you do you feel like it gave you as as a fan that grew up with it? Do you feel like it gave you some sort of closure that you feel like you can put it down and maybe not come back to it unless you absolutely have to? I mean, it killed my childhood. <laughs> is what it did. <laughs> It killed all of the nostalgia and the warm, fuzzy feelings that I had for Star Wars. <laughs> kind of like the Hobbit series did for Lord of the Rings for me. It just took this thing that I had so many fond memories of and cheapened Destroyed it, it. And it, it killed it. But, yeah. It's interesting that you uh, you drew the parallel to the Hobbit, though. Of all the fucking film film franchises that has been killed, like Die Hard, for instance, you went for the Hobbit. <laughs> that was just a cheap shot, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't feel like I need to come back to Star Wars because it's Star Wars. Like if. If someone makes a great Star Wars film, then I'll go see it because it's a great movie, but I'm not going to keep coming back to Star Wars right. anymore. I can't. I went to Disney World recently okay. and I had this experience there. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Brave New World. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this part in the book where one of the characters like stumbles into this factory and he sees all of the deltas like walking in this line and the deltas are like this subhuman class of people they're all like 
identical clones, but you know, they're like so mutated beyond anything. And they're engineered to be happy in their position of like living and breathing shit. <laughs> and when I went to Disney World, I just got this deja vu from seeing Brave New World. <laughs> and like all of the people in Disney World there just reminded me of Deltas. Deltas for whatever reason. <laughs> and yeah, just like the crazy subculture of Disney people just really scared me. Right. And they they knew that I didn't belong. Like everywhere I looked, they were like, he doesn't belong here. He's they knew that you were a he's a, he's a trouble he's a troublemaker. <laughs> like the characters, they could sense it. It's like uh Mary Poppins character. I interacted with them <laughs> and they could just they could see it. Could see it on my face that I wasn't a true believer. <laughs> And I was afraid that they were going to, like, take me in one of the back rooms and re-educate me or something like that. That's, that's because you saw the fucking Wicker Man, and that's what you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I can't do Disney anymore. Dude, speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, the Wicker Man is on Netflix, bro. The oh, yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. The classic. I watched, I watched the Nick Cage version. <laughs> it was... <laughs> That's a journey right there. Oh my god, that was a good one. That's one. That's one word for that movie. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was journey necessarily, but I would say it was akin to watching a uh, an unwilling abortion happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it was really terrible. That was a really, really bad one. You know, I mean, it's it's a movie that... The movie's not done behind you, though, Gabe. We haven't no. gotten to the exciting space Oh, wait, yeah. Maybe we haven't gotten to the two-hour mark yet. <laughs> well, I mean, we haven't seen them ride horses across a oh, star. Dude, what the fuck was going on with that? I was, I was so goddamn confused. What was happening in that scene? I just, I didn't yeah. even know... How to even process it? I, I remember that I picked up my phone right in the middle of it, and I texted my brother, and I was like, "There were horses now! Like, what the fuck's happening?" <laughs> yeah, nope. they have they have spaceships and lasers and shit. I don't, I don't. They're going understand. to land on top of a spaceship and ride horses. Wait, on okay, so maybe I'm misremembering the scene. <laughs> But they were still in space, right? No, they're in the the atmosphere of the planet because that makes sense. They so, just they wanted right. to have the horses riding into the sunset, and so they wrote the whole fucking movie <laughs> to have that one shot where the horses are riding oh, man, through the fire somehow. It's spectacle for the sake of spectacle. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure it's just like they were sitting down in the writer's room and they're like, what if we had horses? Let's do it. <laughs> that, that was the one, yeah. 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 Some guy that had stopped sniffing glue for 10 seconds decided <laughs> that horses were the best way to go. Now, the whole movie is those kind of moments. You know, though, the, uh, the semi-redeeming part of this movie for me that, I mean, you're going to hate me for saying this, was uh, that there there's like one shot of a porg. <laughs> the porg is what the Furby things, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the little talking. thing that's like a yeah, penguin yeah. puffin yeah. thing. Yeah. And yeah. those things, I love them so much because, like, yeah. I don't know what it was about The Last Jedi's usage of them, but they were just so fucking hilarious. Well, I mean, the greatest part of that whole movie is when Chewie's rotisseriing the porgs and. That's probably my favorite part of that whole movie, honestly. <laughs> and the porgs are looking at him doing it. <laughs> yeah. 
That was that was that was a truly truly great moment right there. Yeah. That's one of those things that I always remember is the porg being with this <laughs> But I mean, this movie sort of redeemed itself for a, a minor second when the porg showed up. All right, and all right. I, and and I enjoyed the porg, and then I remembered what movie I was watching, and I was like, oh no, never mind. <laughs> see, yeah, see, they they take the shotgun approach. They're like, well. Uh let's do some porgs you know let's throw yoda in there fuck it i was expecting obi-wan to show up in some form and he he does talk in that like scene right, that weird lightsaber scene world, yeah. lightning thing but you know and then you got like wedge antilly shows up i can barely <laughs> even tell it was him but he's what is he like 90 in this movie now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got you get throwing some lando right break out all the stops man just bring them all back yeah resurrect han solo fuck it hey they did that in this movie too for christ's sake what was that stupid movie on the end of the rock where he sort of inspired his son to be a better person because he saw a fucking vision of his dad what the hell was that that's exactly right and the whole thing about like you're not kylo ran in, ran anymore you're ben oh yeah so ben there you go. right that's his name right <laughs> ben yeah ben yeah. solo what kind of fucking name is that it's uh very biblical han and leia and then you end up with ben yep, it's yep. like it's like joe and mary and jesus type of shit but in reverse. yeah that's yeah, all you got luke <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the next movie is going to focus around a guy named john or ezekiel right that's what you're saying yeah. um ezekiel would be pretty cool i take that yeah you take that over john there you go now you have the fucking yeah. horses dude yeah the fucking yeah. horses <laughs> And no one else can have the the guidance information on their Star Destroyer to fly out of the atmosphere. They can't just copy and paste that shit from one computer to the next. <laughs> it's gotta... Of all the fucking advanced <laughs> technology, that's what they went for was a guidance yeah, system? It's an antenna, dude. You've got to have stupid third act. Every bullshit. Star Wars movie, you've got to have something to shoot. Like, it's got to be that one point of weakness you gotta have the the exhaust port or the shield generator or whatever it's always in right now this is a fucking <laughs> yeah. antenna in order to broadcast come on yeah the stack i mean you figured that the fucking empire would learn after a moment that like yeah. basic yeah. navigation and yeah. you know like guidance systems and shit like that they should probably watch out for that shit <laughs> yeah no, they why can't it be anything complicated like in uh the last jedi for instance with the fucking benicio del toro's character that they have to save in order for him to hack into the system and all that other shit because that would take an extra like 10 minutes of exposition and then they'd have to introduce <laughs> another character and give them backstory and <laughs> <laughs> um, there's too many people they have to bring out from the dead warm them yeah. up from the the morgue and everything like that <laughs> or completely animate their fucking yeah. rotting corpse yeah, exactly that was that was disconcerting about the last jedi though seeing what's his name being resurrected for that movie oh uh, which one the empire dude what the fuck is his name uh it was like a big deal because they had to get the rights to his image from his family oh yeah yeah and, I, know talking about. Uh, I don't actually remember his name what was his name i know somebody's gonna tear me apart over not remembering this fucking guy's name yeah that's all right that's all right. i like i like the the emperor here he's just so over the top he's gone into like b-movie territory <laughs> It's pretty great, honestly. It's like that, so that, dumb. That, that, yeah. scene, that scene at the end where he says, like, I am all the Sith, and she says, I am all the Jedi. Oh, like, I, yeah. that was a moment <laughs> where I could not control rolling my eyes. It was 
You already knew. I mean, come on. <laughs> I knew where it was going. I knew it was going there, but I was, I was hoping that they wouldn't do it because it was just too, too fucking bad. Yeah. There's so many moments in established franchises like this that you could choose to acknowledge the elephant in the room or you could make fun of it. And like, rather than make fun of it, like they actually embraced it. Like it was some sort of high art. It totally undermined the third act of the movie if it hadn't been betrayed before that by the goddamn space horses. <laughs> so next week, I was thinking that maybe we could talk about, I don't know if you'd seen it yet, but Midsummer. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that for a long time now. And it's uh, it's on Amazon, I think. So I might pick that up. Yeah, it is on Amazon. It's uh, I, I think that... Uh, it would be interesting to shift gears from like a large studio picture and delve into something like independent horror and independent yeah. directors because that, that movie in all accounts is this weird sophomoric two and a half hour fucking horror movie that doesn't completely work but for some reason like it's it's stuck with me and it's not least of all because of how fucking disturbing the violences in that movie yeah and uh i think that yeah. you would dig it yeah go check that one out if anybody's listening has any <laughs> recommendations or things that you would enjoy hearing us talk about feel free to uh comment or message me or whatever you can find me on facebook you can find me on anything gabe chavez and paul i don't know if you can i don't want to be found leave me alone so, on the internet address- <laughs> address all things paul related toward me and i'll uh, i'll bring him up yeah. to paul in a, another podcast in order to tell how you guys feel about him yeah anyway thanks for hanging with us thanks for joining us for this inaugural podcast for this abomination of a star <laughs> wars movie i think i think it really did just sort of carry on the stupidity of the first three though of the prequels yeah the course was set long ago gabe <sighs> ship has sailed <laughs> But it's over now. I mean, Luke, Lucas is still cashing those checks, though. No, man, he he's divested. They just paid him. Oh, they paid him right. his five billion dollars, and he can <laughs> wash his hands of the whole thing. Wait, he's still getting the merchandising rights, though, right? Or he's, Does he? I don't know, dude. Don't that's know. actually a good question. I wonder if he is. I think five billion dollars probably covers the merchandising rights for some. I mean, he's what? He's in his seventies now, or something like that. So, yeah. I mean, what's what's he going to do with five billion dollars? He's not. Yeah. I don't know if he's married, actually. He's going to drink a lot of wine, I think, is what he's going to do. He's not Francis that. Ford Coppola. He's not going to drink a lot of wine uh, in Napa. Uh, You're thinking of the wrong I dude. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> At least Francis Ford Coppola had the, the civility or the wherewithal in order to admit that he's only made three great movies in his life, and those are long behind <laughs> him. Or no, four great movies. He said he did four great movies. The first two Godfather uh, movies, The Conversation... And Apocalypse Now. Yeah. He knew that Tetra was a pile of shit when he made it. <laughs> so come on, man. You gotta put you gotta put Godfather Three up there. Oh, get the fuck out of here, Godfather Three. <laughs> the only thing that Godfather Three had going for it was the death scene at the end. Because that, that legitimately was a good moment, you know. Like I'll I'll give it that. But otherwise, like Sophia Coppola is god awful in it. I don't know why the fuck he put his own daughter in it. It's terrible. And he knows it's bad too. And that's the best thing about it, is that Prince Ford Coppola knows that he really screwed the pooch and shit the bet on that one. All right. Well, until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys later.